Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Doug Stoffer continues his look at the biblical evidence for a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Then a little later, Prophecy in the News Magazine editor Lee's Cutshaw will stop by to preview the latest edition of the Prophecy in the News Magazine, which is out right now. Our new 16-month calendar is here, and we're sending them out all over the country. Based on the book and television series Jewish Roots of Christianity, this calendar will encourage and inspire. Beautiful pictures and daily scripture make this calendar a perfect gift for family and friends. Order today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And if you're new to Watchmen on the Wall, hello, we're glad you're here. Make sure you get your new listener pack. It's free, and it's our way of saying welcome to Watchmen on the Wall. The latest issue of the Prophetic Observer Newsletter and a free gift are included. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 and request your free new listener pack today. Now, let's join Doug Stoffer as he continues his look at the biblical evidence for a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Douglas Stauffer and Andrew Ray have written a book, Reviving the Blessed Hope of Thessalonians. Doug, welcome. Oh, thank you again. It's so great to be talking with you and have another opportunity to talk to your audience. In looking through the book, I noticed that you gave some practical advice for the reader. You said in the author's preface, live every day as though this could be the day of the Lord's return, and plan as though you will be here for many more years to come. And that was the way you had set forth your teaching so that the individual who would do the study could do that very thing. Talk about that just a little bit, would you please? Sure. We wrote that book. I just looked at the copyright, 2016, so we're talking about six years ago that book came out and there are many people that said we're in the tribulation now you know the seven-year period well then either it started right when I finished the book and we've got a year left or they missed it again so the point is Jesus can come back at any time so we're to be looking for that blessed hope and his glorious appearing but we don't know when that's going to be so if God leads a person to have children, have children. Don't be so wrapped up in, you know, Jesus coming back. I don't need to plan for the future. I don't need to save. I don't need to build a house. Or I don't need... You have to live as though he's coming back today. But plan as though you're going to grow old and die so that you will not get caught up in this debilitating process of thinking that he's coming back, you know, in a year or two years. And I'll give you a story. In 1987, I was going to quit Bible college. I started in 84, was going to graduate in 88. Guy wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Was Coming Back in 1988. Well, I wanted to be on the mission field in the Philippines rather than in Bible college when Jesus came back. So I was going to quit and go. And somebody said to me, did God have you start and go to Bible college only to quit? And I said, no. 
then they said, finish the course. Well, guess what? I finished in 1988, and he didn't come back then. So I learned my lesson to live as though he's coming back today and plan as though I'm going to grow old and die because I am growing old and he may not come back in my lifetime. Now, do I think that he will with what we see on the horizon, you know, right in front of us? Yes. I don't see how things have changed in the last few years where, you know, the perilous times and all the description we're giving of those last days is not happening and going in ways that are just astounding to me to watch those changes. So I do believe he'll come back in my lifetime. However, I'm not going to stop planning for the future as though I'll be here for some time. Now, in your introduction to the book, you make a very valid point that those who love the Bible and promote the rapture oftentimes use verses that have nothing to do with the rapture. Would you comment on that? Sure. I mean, if you for one instance, I guess you could look at, and that is in Matthew chapter 24, verse 31, people will say, well, that's a rapture when he sends his angels to gather the elect. However, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, talking specifically about the rapture, it says Christ himself shall descend. And that word himself is in there for a reason, because Christ himself is coming back in the clouds and we'll meet him in the clouds so shall we ever be with the Lord whereas in Matthew 24 at the second coming he's going to send his angels out before the armies and he himself is on that horse coming back to destroy his enemies he's going to send his angels back to gather the elect so when people use Matthew 24 in that instance to teach the rapture that's why we have such confusion Another instance would be Noah and Lot. Lot in Luke 17, Noah in Matthew 24. People will say, well, Noah is a picture of the rapture, but the problem is the day that Noah went in the ark, the destruction came. The day that Lot left Sodom, the destruction came. The day that God sends his angels back to gather the elect, the destruction is going to come. So Lot is a picture of those during the tribulation that are protected by those angels that are sent before he comes back riding on a white horse with the armies behind him to destroy all his enemies. Well, it is an interesting insight when we see that First Thessalonians was perhaps one of the earlier epistles of Paul. Is that correct? I believe that First and Second Thessalonians may have been the early books that Paul wrote. They were not prison epistles, meaning it wasn't after Acts chapter 28. Now what's interesting about that is because it hones in on the rapture so vividly and, you know, in every one of the eight chapters, then it's important for new believers to be schooled on the pre-tribulation rapture. And there are several reasons for that, and if you study it out, it talks about living godly when you're looking for that blessed hope. You'll become a peculiar people. You'll live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. You go over to 1 John 3, and it says, everyone that has that hope purifieth himself. And then you just go through and you understand that if you can get a new Christian 
to focus on the fact that Jesus may be coming back today or tomorrow or the next day. He's looking for him day in and day out. Then what happens is it changes his behavior and encourages him to do right and live right. Titus tells us that. First John, as I mentioned, tells us that. And several other places. First Thessalonians 5. When you're talking about the destruction at the end time, Second Peter 3.11 says seeing that all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conversation and godliness? Well, if everything's going to be burned up, why are we so focused on that which is going to disintegrate? Mm-hmm. Be focused on Jesus coming back. Amen. You have a number of drawings in your treatise that you've written. We have various things that were taught by them. One, the first one that I encountered was the distinct messengers with two distinct programs. In the rightly dividing of the word of truth, it's important to know who said what to whom and how it affects us now. Oh, absolutely. If you read, go build thee an ark of gopher wood, and you say, well, I'm going to do that because it's a command in the Bible, people would say, well, that's ludicrous. Well, then why do you not do that command and you choose to do many other commands that in the context are not for the church or believers today? And that's really the distinction. You don't need to go in there and try to make everything apply to believers today because it does not. And again, that's that rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't understand how to rightly divide, then you'll go in there and apply things out of context where God is dealing with the Jew and not the church. And then you'll have serious problems because you can't make the Bible reconcile unless you distinguish between to whom is being spoken or addressed. In First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, There are specific points where Paul writes about Christ coming for the church, not in generalities, but in specifics. I refer you to page 25 in your book, Paul's Thessalonian writings pointing to Christ coming for the church. You have outlined it there. How about giving us those? In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 19, it says, In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Chapter 3, verse 13, At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Chapter 4, verse 15, Which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. And what you have is that Paul, in those three examples, and there's at least two other ones that I point out right there, he's talking about, the coming of Christ to the clouds and us joining together with him in those clouds. When people get messed up, again, they try to apply passages outside of what God intended to be applied to the church. And for instance, on the next page, Paul's writings pointed to the second advent also when he referred to the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, Well, that thief in the night is talking about the second coming. It is not talking about the rapture of the church or the time that Jesus Christ comes back into the clouds and then we meet him there. That is talking about when he sets his foot on this earth. If you study Joel and Amos and several of the Old Testament books, 
you'll see that that day of the Lord is a day of darkness. And it is important to distinguish between the day of the Lord and the day of Christ. The day of Christ is the rapture of the church. So when you're studying through the Bible and it talks about the day of Christ, for instance, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it talks about our gathering together unto him in verse 1. That's the rapture. It says, by his coming. Then it goes on and it says that that day of Christ is at hand. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of Christ, the rapture, shall not come except one thing happens, except there come a falling away first. And then there's a three and a half year gap there. It says the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. And the reason you know there's a three and a half year gap there is there's also one in verse 7 mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let till be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy the brightness of his coming. So now you're at the, in verse 8, you're at the end of the seven years. So you have to distinguish how the timing goes, but if you make the day of the Lord the same thing as the day of Christ, you won't distinguish between the second coming and the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church, uh, I think it's Philippians, talks about it in chapter 1, verse 6, talks about the day of Christ. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the rapture. He's going to perform it until when? Until you're gone. Verse 10 of that same, Philippians 1, says that we may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. Again, that's the end of time as the church knows it. So when you see the day of Christ, you realize it's the rapture. When you see the day of the Lord, that's referring to when the Lord inserts himself back in time. And then you look at Peter, it says one day with the Lord is the thousand years, thousand years is one day. That day of the Lord will last a thousand years because he says, in the which the heavens shall be burned up. So that day of the Lord starts at the second coming and lasts 1,000 years. Well, it is important to get the distinction. If we are truly studying the Word of God, then we find that we will offer to God faithful service. It is following Scripture that we do. It is not following our own thoughts, but it's following the Word of God. It is rightly dividing the Word of Truth. You point out that faithful service and personal holiness always go hand in hand with that earnest expectation of Bible prophecy being fulfilled. When you quote scripture, for example, Titus chapter 2, 12, what are you really wanting to do for the person who is receiving the message? Well, I want them to understand that my authority comes from the Bible. It doesn't come from my education. Now, I'm educated. You mentioned Dr. Stauffer. Well, I have a degree from Penn State, accounting. I'm a CPA. I've got three other degrees, including a Ph.D. in religion. However, all of that can mean nothing if it's just worldly wisdom. The wisdom has to come from God. So when I quote Scripture... I am trying to show people that, listen, my authority, my teaching, my understanding comes from the Bible. It doesn't come from me or any other thing. 
I can study and study forever and be wrong if I don't go with the right heart's intent, and that is to be corrected by the Word of God and not try to be an authority over it. And that's what I try to do. I try to make sure that I submit myself to the leading of God and His Spirit, and the illumination has come, I believe, because I've been willing to admit I've been wrong in the past, and I'll surely be wrong in the future. And anything that I'm wrong on, I try to make sure that I submit to God's truth and let it correct me. Titus chapter 2, verse 12, you have used that as one of the premier verses that you mention from time to time, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How important it is that we learn to live soberly, righteously, and godly. It is a difficulty in this day and age because of the system of the world that has grabbed everything about us. We no longer are able to live unto the Lord only, but we have the world that has come in on us even into the church. How are you able to set your sights properly upon the return of Christ without losing focus? That's always looking for Jesus, always looking for that blessed hope. I'm a Bible student. I am studying the Bible all the time. I will never master the subject. I will always be corrected by it. And even when I was teaching the other day up in North Carolina, I saw some things I hadn't seen before, and I told the church that. I said, listen, I never saw this. And then I taught them, and it was something that wasn't far-fetched. But I try to be real submissive to God and make sure that I submit to His understanding, His will, His way, His direction. And in doing that, I have found that He has always illuminated my mind and heart with the truth in ways that I'm just so blessed. The complete two-day teaching from Doug Stoffer on reviving the blessed hope is available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Does the Bible conclusively prove that God will rapture the church before, during, or after the tribulation period? Find out in Doug Stoffer's new book, Reviving the Blessed Hope. Order your copy of Reviving the Blessed Hope when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. The latest issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine is out. With an insider's preview of the latest edition, here is magazine editor Lise Cutshaw and ministry president Dr. Kenneth Hill. The Prophecy in the News magazine is beyond description beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I really do. Not Thank not you. just the articles, but I like the way it looks, too. It's Aww. a very beautiful magazine. 
And it's available now. We've had Prophecy in the News magazine sitting back, ready to be published, and now it's on the road going. It's going gangbusters. Here's the number if folks would like to phone in and purchase their subscription of the Prophecy in the News magazine. It's 844-475-7486. That's 844-475-PITN, Prophecy in the News, to phone in and order your subscription to the Prophecy in the News magazine. Lise, we want to talk about Prophecy in the News magazine, and especially this issue. Tell me what we're looking at, especially as it relates to Queen Elizabeth II and King Charles III. Well, it seemed especially relevant to have an article on the Queen after her passing, and there were certainly pieces that preceded her passing and actually books about the Queen and her faith. But for our issue, our next issue that's out right now of Prophecy in the News magazine, we are featuring the Queen's faith and hearing from many different sources, news sources, but also some sources that are among the authors that Southwest Radio and Prophecy in the News has in their, um, I don't want to call it, well, I'll say in their resource center. <laughs> you don't want to say in their stable. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> I understand. But, that, you know, that's what people say. Nay. Oh, now they have this, this, uh, these people are. Yeah, well, I understand. And we've got some very fine researchers who are part of these authors as well. Now, Jonathan Kahn, you've got his insights toward the queen and the new king. Well, more so we have Jonathan Kahn's discussion of or kind of a preview of his new book, which is called The Return of the Gods. And he talked at length, actually, for Watchmen on the Wall shows with Larry Spargimino about the new book and how explosive, how revealing it is of the activities that are going on in our world in our country, specifically right now, as ancient gods, Rabbi Khan says, have returned, and they are now steering what is happening, he says, in New York City and other centers, let's say the administration of our country. And actually, he talks very specifically about the kinds of things that they in ancient times were known for and that they are now actually up to here in America these days. And also in the Prophecy in the News magazine, you've got some stuff there by uh, archaeologist Scott Stripling. He's been digging in the dirt in the Holy Land for the last 40 years, and he has a number of ideas, concepts, concerns, theories, that are being presented as well in the magazine. It is a time of rejoicing for them because they were in the ruins of the Holy Land and found a rare gem there. 
at Shiloh. You want to give a little insight into that? Well, I don't want to spoil the articles for anyone, but John Ruiz, who writes for the magazine, talked with Dr. Stripling about their most recent finds at that location near Jerusalem and got a lot of insights from Dr. Stripling and featured him and his work, his longtime work and passion. And then we have another pair of articles from Clayton Van Hus, who was there this summer working with those archaeologists at the dig. There's a very reverent and thoughtful reflection from Clayton, and then a little bit of fun about some of the mishaps that he had while he was in the Holy Land. And then you have an article there by Clayton Van Huss's brother, Micah. Micah is the writer in the, I guess it's a series of articles called Marginal Mysteries, and this one is Ancient Cities. And so we have that to look forward to as well. And then Q&A from Larry Spargimino, but also a special guest. Yes, and that's the article with Rabbi Jonathan Kahn about his new book. And Pastor Larry, I think, unearths a lot of what might be stunning information from Rabbi Khan about the things that might be actually underway, under the radar, as they say, in America. Well, there's lots of great information that's in that section. It's an eye-opener. Larry Stamm has written about Jerusalem, Zionism, and Jesus. And we've got other articles, including one classic from J.R. Church, How the Ten Gates of Jerusalem Reveal God's Plan of Salvation. All of those and more articles in Prophecy in the News magazine, the current edition. And how might they get themselves on the mailing list to have this magazine on a monthly basis? Well, that phone number that you shared with them is a good number if they want to call and talk with someone personally. They can also place an order by going to prophecyinthenews.com, and there's a nice form there where they can fill that out and pay online, and they can give the magazine as a gift. Oh, yes. The number that you mentioned is 844-475-7486. That's 844-475-PITN. Doug Stoffer's new book, Reviving the Blessed Hope, is available right now. Does the Bible conclusively prove that God will rapture the church before, during, or after the tribulation period? Find out in Doug Stoffer's new book, Reviving the Blessed Hope. This concise commentary on the prophetic events of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians provides definitive and undeniable proofs showing that Scripture holds the answer. Order your copy of Reviving the Blessed Hope by Doug Stoffer when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. 
Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.